Welcome to the Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We are proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the most exciting episode of the Pemberley Podcast. And I know that's become a running joke because it's a Chris Harrison thing to say. But this week, we actually mean it because we have a very special guest here to comment on chapters 23 and 24 of Recipe for Persuasion. We have an associate editor at BuzzFeed, Shyla Watson. She writes all things books and literature, and it's fantastic. You should read her stuff, and you can follow her personal Instagram at Shyla's Shelf. Shyla, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm so excited. I would love to know a little bit about, because we've been very open with you about how we have not finished this book, which obviously you finished it ages ago. We're just here to talk about a couple of chapters, but would love to know what you think about like this book, the love story, all all things Jane Austen, just like tell us about you. <laughs> I love Recipe for Persuasion. I actually reread it and just finished it last night. Uh, so it was really fresh. <laughs> you know, of course, I had read Pride and Prejudice and other flavors as well. But this one is just, it's steamy. I mean, the friction, the enemies to lovers, and the fact that they're exes. I really love how Sonali includes like a family dynamic as well. So it's not just about the romance, it feels so fleshed out. And it feels very true to persuasion you know it's modern but it's got all of the good stuff from the original there I really love it what's great about recipe for persuasion is I feel like there's even more flashbacks that we got in pride prejudice and other flavors because it's really from like a lot of different points of view it's from Rico's POV Ashna's Shobi's agreed yeah I really love I don't think that we got that as much in the last book. So I really love that we get that here, especially because yes, Rico and Ashna, that's it's their story. But I feel like so much of the story is about Ashna and Shobi and their mother daughter relationship. So really getting to have her point of view as well, just it brings so much more to the narrative. Yeah. And something that Yolanda and I end up talking about most episodes is there are a ton of parallels between Shobi's love story and Ashna and Rico's love story that like nobody's talking about nobody's open with each other about how similar everybody's situations are it's fine I'm sure they're gonna hash it out later but we're just we're at that point where we're not there and we want to be there (laughs) (laughs) I understand it's like it's like reading a Shakespeare play and it's like everything would be so much easier people just talk to each other (laughs) I I, I get it but I think uh I think you'll be pleased when you finish it okay I'm glad there's hope (laughs) this is basically where we're at So another way that we usually uh, chat and procrastinate talking about the thing that we built the podcast to talk about is by talking about books, movies, TV shows and such that we've been checking out recently. Tell, do you want to tell the lovely people what you're into right now? Yeah. um, So I just finished maybe last week, you had me at Ola by Alexis Daria, which is a contemporary romance. And it is very fun. I was just telling you guys that I think it's the perfect read after recipe for persuasion because it's also like enemies to lovers a little bit and it's about celebrity and uh, takes place on a show so it's 
really fun. It's steamy and, you know, obviously has great representation. And in the way that Recipe Persuasion has flashbacks with You Had Me at Ola, you get like script scenes. Um, so mm-hmm. it just adds something a little fun and extra to it. And you almost get the point of view of the characters that they play as actors as well. So it's very meta and I love it. And then as far as TV shows, I just finished season five of Lucifer on Netflix. And it's very good. And it's so good, actually, that I've just started rewatching the entire series from the beginning. So if there are any Lucifer fans listening, definitely watch. <laughs> Is that what they're called, Lucifer fans? Yes, we are a okay. dedicated bunch. <laughs> I mean, in my head, there's like nothing better than a group of fans who have named themselves. So that's fantastic. Like last week, I was telling Yolanda, and the rest of the internet all about how my latest sort of binge and obsession is Legend of Korra, which is, um, I've been very pro, like I got back into Avatar in quarantine and then they finally put Legend of Korra back on Netflix. And so it's been a hoot and a half just like <laughs> getting back into that. But I recently rewatched a movie that I saw years and years ago. I was sort of like <laughs> in upper middle school into high school. All I really did for like fun on the internet was go to Yahoo movies and just like watch trailers and just like learn about all the movies that were coming out. Indie, big. Otherwise, I knew it all. And I remember seeing a trailer for this movie coming out called Tamara Drew, which what I did not know at the time and I know now was like a very sort of indie British adaptation of Far From the Madding Crowd. I love that movie with Carrie Mulligan, but they made like a modern adaptation that's okay. It's an okay movie, but I rewatched it and I liked it. It's a sweet kind of watch, sort of a hijinks ensue kind of situation with all these love triangles in a small like English countryside. I love hijinks, so. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's great. (laughs) Where did you watch it? I just rented it on YouTube because I was like, I don't know if this ever happens to you guys where like something like a movie that you haven't thought about in ages just kind of like knocks at the door to your brain and it's like, why don't we, like, this was a weird movie when you watched it, but could it be better? And then you watch it and you're like, no, it's still kind of whack but i'm not upset that i rewatched it <laughs> you know there's so many streaming services now it's tough to find anything anywhere so you just at some point you're like fine i'll buy it or i'll rent it whatever i'll part with the 3.99 i can yeah. do that <laughs> uh what about you yolanda so i talked about this before but i finished it um i finished reading get a life chloe brown by talia hibbert i finished it a couple weeks ago i'm still ruined over it so <laughs> I, i'm still processing it I think there's really, like, two other books that, like, the fictional male character has just been like, what's the point? What's the point of even trying? You know, this this person is the height of it. The kiss quotient and what else? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> I was going to say, it's basically kiss quotient. Anna and the French Kiss by Stephanie Perkins. I That's feel like that one. If I'm being honest, like, when I was younger, it was, like, also Twilight with Edward Cullen. But we've moved past that. It's we're back in it now, right? <laughs> Truly. Do we want to dive into talking about chapter 23 of Recipe for Persuasion? Yeah, let's dive. Do it. So previously in chapters 21 and 22, Ashna is dealing with a lot, facing her feelings and the, her past with Rico on Cooking with the Stars, maybe feeling a little jealous of Song, who is 
throwing herself at Rico. Shobi is trying to help her daughter, who does not want to be helped. We find out that she has been in a secret relationship with Omar for, like, this whole time. Yeah, so chapter 23 is another Shobi flashback chapter, and we are actually at the night of the wedding. So she is married to Brahm, alone in the room, and wondering... Where everything went wrong, really. It's just like the reality has really set in of like her situation that this is a marriage she's been forced into and she actually had to go through with it because obviously her father had threatened all this blackmail and we kind of find out more in detail of like just how much he wasn't bluffing when he said, I'm going to ruin their lives, you know. Instead of setting up Omar's father for embezzlement, he actually pins it all on Omar himself and is like, it's set up. Like basically it feels like he could put push a button or make a call and it could all fall apart very quickly. Shobi loves Omar so much and she doesn't want that to happen to him. So she goes through with it. And obviously like it's, it's an awful situation for her to be in. Yeah. I mean, she's sort of has this thought that like, it doesn't matter how deep into this I get. It's only for them. And I'm going to find a way out of this. I'm going to find a way to be with Omar. It's really sweet and Mm -hmm. tragic. (laughs) No, it is. And like what was sort of nice about getting to see that, like Skype call between the two of them in the previous chapter is we kind of got to see the love that Shobi fought so hard for because it's so much harder to be with Omar than to not be with Omar. He just brings out so much of her, like her truth and like who she is that she's just like, he's worth fighting for. I love that we get to see them together because then it shows that what she fought for wasn't in vain, you know, is that they worked out and it was a sacrifice worth making. And I also just love that, you know, we had talked about this similarly, but how she and Omar fell in love as teenagers. And then you have the same dynamic between Ashna and Rico. So just getting to see those parallels. And I think also just seeing what their love was like when they were younger, it really humanizes her. Like, I don't know, it's something about, I think a huge part of this book is people don't see their parents as people. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and so I think that getting those flashbacks and being in the head of an 18 year old Shobi is like, wow, she was a young girl with her own dreams and made these sacrifices and what that's really like. And I think it really, like I said, humanizes her and just makes her a little bit more understandable. Yeah, I mean, especially since we spent like the first half of the book (laughs) being team Ashna being like, how could Shobi leave her? How could she leave the family and like selfishly go off to India to pursue her goals and just like leave her daughter and her husband behind like we hated her for that because we saw it from Ashna's point of view but like you know being with this 18 year old girl who's like the love of her life has been arrested for trying to be with her and she's just kind of sitting here thinking like I'm not going to let them break me I'm not going to let my father control me I'm not going to let this guy who I thought was my friend and clearly like doesn't give a crap about my feelings or what I want. I was foolish for thinking that he was harmless, basically, because guys like him just sort of take whatever they want. And I never thought like, basically, she never really thought that she would be someone that he wanted. And then when she was on his radar, that's when it was all over because like he gets what he wants. Yeah. And I mean, right now she's kind of like trying to process all that too. She's like still in her traditional wedding attire. She has like all these bangles and rings on her. 
she kind of makes a note of that of like I have all these rings showing that I'm married Omar has like no symbols that like or any ring that he that shows that he's taken so like even that of like you know we already knew he was kind of a player beforehand and like had all these model girlfriends and like going around and like the fact that he even you know chose Shobi as a wife doesn't feel like it means that like he's going to be faithful to her in any way either so like the fact that he's not physically showing a symbol is major in a way to kind of reclaim a little bit of herself uh Shobi starts to take off all of the attire all the rings and everything just to kind of feel like a little bit human again and even like she kind of went through all these different possibilities of like what if I just like throw myself off this balcony like what if I just like do something drastic and like literally kill myself but she even knows that like that's giving in that's letting them win my goodness the strength that Shobi has to like be like I'm gonna work through this you know he's not gonna defeat me I'm gonna you know she says uh, Shoban was going to stay Shoban like man what a strong mentality this woman has and at such a young age too like I was a little weakling. I'm still a weakling. I don't know how she did it. Um, you know, faced with that kind of challenge. And I think what you said, Yolanda, about the scene where she is, you know, noticing that she has on all of these rings and symbols to show that she is basically being claimed by him and he has nothing. And I think that one of the themes that we see is just, you know, the dynamic and the differences between men and women in general in society. And, you know, that's something that Ashna almost faults her mother for is her entire career that she's made about, you know, gender dynamics and like helping other women become so strong. And, you know, I think that Ashna sees it as being very traditional. And I think when we get these flashbacks, we really see the motivation behind that and why it's so important and how that one generation has changed where, you know, Ashna didn't necessarily go through that same thing where she was able to live her life where her mother wasn't. And I think that just having that in the book and that to show growth, you know, um, is so important and really just adds a depth to it. For sure. And I think she's so like brave for just having the thought at 18 of just like, I'm not going to let them win. I'm not going to let them break me. I think it makes it easier that like the light at the end of this really dark tunnel for her is Omar, you know, like she's not just like trying to get away because she's not happy for this. Like there's a life that she's got pictured in her head that she wants and she's fighting for that. And also like in an act of reclaiming her power, you know, her father had all these threats against her to really get her to this night. And now that she's kind of finally gone through with it, she kind of turns the tables on him and like uses the Rajay power against him to be like, you are never setting foot in this house ever again. And like really has fully cut out her own family from her life too. Of the fact that he pushed her to this point, be forced into this marriage. She's like, you did that. And now you're not you're no longer part of my life. Get out and kicks him out of there forever. Yeah, no um, longer part of his family because that's what it is. It's like yeah. selling her to another family and she's like, well, if you're not my family, you can't be here anymore. You're on my property. Up until this point, he had always been like, don't humiliate me. Like he says, uh, don't do all this to Masha, which uh, translates to spectacle. He's just like, they're so concerned about their image publicly that like, you know, her personal feelings don't factor into really anything. So now she's like, I'll make a big spectacle as big as you want. Like, I don't care. Like, you're out of my life. You know, I did this thing. So 
you're not allowed to be part of my life anymore. And then I love it. She meets Auntie Mina. Yeah. For the very first time. And they like become friends and just like share this understanding that so few women ever understand, which is like the life of being married to a Rajay man. It's hard and it's time consuming. And even like they're smoking on this balcony and Shobi's <laughs> like, aren't we going to get caught? And she's like, this balcony was literally for designed for our husbands to do whatever they want and not get in trouble. No one's allowed up here we're not going to get in trouble for smoking a cigarette. (laughs) And that's something that I really love as well. I think you made a really good point about how she basically gives up her family. You know, her mother had died and she disowned her father, rightfully so. You know, even with Ashna, which you see later, but just, you know, clearly we already know that the relationship is not what it was and that she wasn't around in her life. So it was so great to see that she did develop this relationship with Mina and with her mother-in-law and that even though Bram was not what she wanted in a husband and he was horrible, she got this family almost in return. So she's not alone because, you know, yes, she, you know, was thinking of Omar the entire time and we know that they end up together, but that's all in her head right now, you know? Um, And she doesn't know that, like, she knows in her heart and her soul that she wants that, but it's not a reality yet. And so it would have been so hard or even harder to go through all of that completely alone. So it was so, so great to see, again, strong women supporting each other and to know that despite her horrible husband, she got a family, which she didn't have before. So it's not all bad, which was really nice to see. Yeah, I love how quickly Mina kind of jumps into action when she realizes like, oh, you were forced into this. You love someone else. She's like, all right, here's the plan. Here's what we can do. Like, here's how we can help you. And like, at least for tonight, don't worry about seeing him. Like Mina has literally been there since day one then to protect Shobi. And that's why they have that close bond all these years later too. Um, You know, and that's something that Ashna just can't quite see either. Like she doesn't know all the inside details that Mina saw of like the struggles that she went through. So I think that's why too, there's that disconnect of like Ashna not understanding fully what her mother went through. Yeah. And I remember from Pride, Prejudice and other flavors, we got to see like how Mina met her husband and like joined the Rajay family. And it was with a great deal more consent because she was like a huge Bollywood film star her whole life. Like she was like Elizabeth Taylor, where she started as like a little girl and like grew up in the public eye and basically wanted to escape that life. So she went on a big fancy trip to Europe and was literally trying to run out of the hotel and like fell into the lap of her husband. And he was like, I'll help you escape. And also I'd like to marry you. And they just <laughs> kind of like fell crazy in love and like yeah. eloped together. And it was kind of like, originally the Rajes didn't really want her because they're like, she's like a film Bollywood person. Like why? And so she got to at least like Mina, she knows like the issues of being married to the Rajes, but at least she chose that life. And I think she feels really bad for this other 18 year old girl who had everything taken from her. I also love how the support was instantaneous and how she just believed her or didn't try to like convince her otherwise. I feel like that's so often not the case. And there was just no mm-hmm. doubt. It was just it was so immediate like, oh my God, you're not in love with him. Like this is horrible. Here's how we can fix it. It wasn't, you know, anything like what her father did, like, oh well you should stay with him for these reasons or give him a chance or anything like that. 
And so just seeing that support again, I think goes to show how their relationship has lasted so long and been so strong. And it makes a lot of sense why she would sort of entrust Ashna to Mina to raise as her own. Yeah. No, really. I mean, I think she's always seen Mina as like almost the proper mother for Ashna. Because like, even though we haven't gotten into this part I'm sure there was like a lot of inner turmoil for Shobi of like being so in love with Omar, but also like having another man's baby, you know, like that's got to be like a lot of internal struggle. And so, you know, even though she loves her daughter, I'm sure there was kind of this thing of like, it makes sense for Mina to take care of her. It makes sense that like she would be better with her. Similarly, I think that Shobi in that sense it goes to show how much and how well she compartmentalizes her life and sort of separates it into different areas. And I think that Ashna does the same thing. You know, she kept Rico and still keeps him completely separate from her family and just the world and her work and her feelings with the restaurant and her father. She doesn't open up about it. All of these parts are so hidden into herself. And again, just like mother, like daughter, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. So speaking of Rico, we can go into chapter 24, which is from his perspective. And we are back in the studio. Rico is just a mess of emotions for Ashna. He's just so obsessed with her and so back in love with her, it feels like. But also, did he ever really fall out of love too? Who's to say? But Shiloh, what do you think about Rico Silva? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> where do I start? I mean, I think from the beginning, I mean, he, you know, he's described as this, not a playboy necessarily, but just like the hottest of hotties. Like he is this Calvin Klein model. He's famous soccer football star and but I mean even from the very beginning the first scene that we get with him we get emotion you know we we see him talking about his godchildren and his best friends and wanting to protect the team and you know keep their privacy there's so much depth to him already with this chapter in particular I mean we go from he starts off under the guise of I am only going to be on this show for closure, to separate myself from her. And I think the fact that he attributes all of his failed relationships and his unhappiness to losing her already shows that he never got over her and that he's still in love with her, but he's so in denial about that. And then I feel like out of nowhere, almost just like he woke up one morning, it was just like, I'm still in love with her. So now I'm going to focus on that. (laughs) You know, it's just, you don't, you don't have any sort of like internal struggle about, oh, I shouldn't feel this way or, oh, I really need to keep my distance or she was never good for me. It's like almost just like the turn of a switch. And he's like, yeah, so I'm still in love with her. And now I'm just going to fantasize about her hair for a really long time. (laughs) You know, that's something we talked about in the last episode that we did is like, you know, there's always been this thing between Rico and Ashna where he's like, I wish I was your hair. And even when Shobi was FaceTiming with Omar, he was like, I miss your hair. (laughs) Yeah, I love the parallels, you know, I think that Omar is, you know, Shobi describes him as being so poetic, you know, and I think that's very intentional for his character. But with Rico, I feel like it's so accidental. And, you know, I think that he doesn't realize that he is almost a poet. He says, it might even be in this chapter, but he says that he's not good with words, you know, that he just jumbles things a lot, but it doesn't matter because I feel like no matter what he says, even if it's nonsense, there's so much emotion behind it that it is like poetry. So he's just like a really big sweetie and I love Rico. (laughs) 
Yeah, and he's also like just so protective of Ashna. Like the fact that he's like wondering, like, why is she on the show? Like she hates this type of thing. He sees her and China talking together, and he's like, did somehow she make her do this or like anything like that? And and uh, also I love the subtle reminder we get that China's last name is Dashwood. I feel like that's just planting it again, throwing it out there that we know. <laughs> we see what you've done, Sonali, and we know that you're smart enough to know that there are no accidents. Another, I mean, another thing that I've like talked to Yolanda about and I'm just like could Yash Rajay possibly be a love interest in a future book is there like love in his heart for someone else I don't know these things I'm not an expert I'm just a conspiracy theorist <laughs> what, what character would you say he might be I mean it's so hard to say who he might be because hearing things like China Dashwood I feel like it's easier for me to identify like who the women are going to be like who the yeah. heroines are going to be the last two books have been about Rajay women who obviously can't be with Yesh but China Dashwood is not related to them she's probably known them her whole life though if China Dashwood is Eleanor but that would make Yesh Edward Ferris I don't know if he has the same personality but I feel like Sonali's adaptations are much more deal with the themes I would even love to just see Yash with his long-term girlfriend and like have her reappear you know I mean if he wins the election you know maybe he goes on to bigger and brighter things like what would his romantic life what would his personal life look like because I think that so far and I loved him in Pride and Prejudice and other flavors but I think he's such an amazing character and we see how passionate he is and how devoted he is to his family and to his work and I love that you know he took time out of his super busy schedule and came and saw his cousin in the studio audience and you know was just so supportive and he seems so loving even if he does have a girlfriend that he says is his person I want to see that you know and I think that just him with anyone would be a great book. I need it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he's too big a catch just to be single for the rest <laughs> of the series, you know? Man, did- if only I could date a fictional character. <laughs> I'm available. Join the club. <laughs> I think we had posted about it on our Instagram and someone had commented saying maybe he is Emma, which I thought was an interesting mm-hmm. theory. Because I'm like, but if he's already in a relationship, maybe not. Or who knows, maybe we could get sort of like the history of where that started. And maybe he is Emma and the long term relationship is the nightly. Well, something that I just hit me is I feel like of every character that we've met in these books, Yesh has weirdly had the biggest struggles. Like we know that he was temporarily in a wheelchair for yeah. part of his, as a teenager we know that he was like suffered from sexual assault from julia wickham in uh in pride prejudice and other flavors so like he's been through it you know yeah. like he's had some really hard times and so part of me is like which character had the biggest struggles in all of like jane austen's lexicon i will say just like hopping over back to what yolanda said really quickly <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I think I was thinking about it after I reread Recipe for Persuasion. And if there was an Emma, I almost feel like it'll be Esha, the clairvoyant cousin, Isha. Uh, Because I feel like with this book, we even see her almost play matchmaker. She says like, you know, you'll like have your person soon. And I feel like Emma is such a character who, even though she is like the character, she's also so much on the sidelines, just playing matchmaker, watching everyone else. So having her be in a room 
holed up with her grandma. And, you know, there's so much to her backstory about like how she got these abilities and the plane crash with her parents and all of this stuff that I want to see her, you know, succeed and almost break out of her shell a little bit. And I thought maybe there will be a guy who, or a girl, someone who will be there to help her do that. And I think that would be really fascinating as well. I just need Sonali to write like 15 books. (laughs) No, the truth is, I feel like, you know, and we could be her just sort of like minions outlining, like, just like throwing our theories out there. And we're like, does that sound good? Am I right? Am I on something? Because it's entirely possible that she's already figured this out. But you're right about 15 books. Like I just, there there has to be a lot of them for me to feel satisfied. I mean, there's like seven Jane Austen books. So maybe it'll be seven maybe it should be double that maybe there should be you know like little novellas that like sort of go into a certain character's backstory that you thought we forgot about but like surprise we didn't forget about them yep i need it and then the netflix series just give it all to me <laughs> yep. yep so uh so that we was go- a segue <laughs> so we're last <laughs> that was scary. we needed to go into that but rika right now is trying his best to avoid staring at ashna he's like fake texting or whatever she comes over and like i love how he just notices every detail about her even like her collarbones he's like i know her emotions basically through her collarbones of like how they look and so they're about to film an interview and you know for some reason because they haven't had time together to really have a basic conversation of like how are you they have to get straight into serious topics so they're about to go film an interview and rico just goes right in for it he's like so you've always hated the restaurant why are you following your father's legacy she also brings up like you're following your father's legacy so like they're kind of like calling each other out of like i thought you always hated this and she's like i thought you always hated this uh and they're about to go on camera so (laughs) i don't know what they're thinking rico's father was a soccer superstar and we don't talk about how he's also yeah following in those footsteps as well his feels more like an accident because when we get those flashbacks of them in high school he was so resistant to playing soccer it happened without him realizing it but then with ashna it seems more like a duty and i think that that's where rico's concern comes from and her mother's as well of like why are you doing this does this even make you happy and then especially when she shares that she doesn't even know how to cook, you know, um, she can only cook her father's recipes. It's like, what about this? Do you like, are you just, you're doing it out, out of obligation. So I think that there's just a slight difference, but at the end of the day, they are both following legacies, you know, and in their, yeah. their father's footsteps. Yeah. I think the difference that Rico sees is, is he's like, well, I took the time to like really make the game my own. And like, at first he didn't even want to play soccer. Cause he's like, well, if my mom and dad aren't there to see me play, like why, why bother? But I think in a way he was like able to take that time away and and process that and move on and beyond it and make the game his own. And he's like, Ashna hasn't done that in any way. Like, there's no way she's... But then, like, he doesn't know that her dad's dead. So, like, it's it's complicated, right? Because he's like, why are you still, like, being controlled by him? Like, he hates him so much. But he also doesn't know, like, the fact that he's not in her life anymore. But he does still have this hold on Ashna. This is the beginnings of the many conversations that they need to have about who they were and what they've become and why. But I feel like one of the first things that Rico needs to know is that Brom is no longer like his competition you know it's not like 
Ashna is ever going to be forced to choose between her family and the love of her life ever again. Like that obstacle's done, but he doesn't know it. But also, does Ashna know that? We've talked in the past about her so aggressively compartmentalizing her life so that like good things don't touch each other, which would turn it into a bad thing. I feel like that's something she needs to work through in her own head that her life can be shared with other people and she Mm. can ask for help. She can explore other avenues and she doesn't have to completely devote herself to keeping curry dreams alive. You know, like she's very resentful of her mother for dangling the deed over her head. There's a lot that she doesn't want to share with other people. Like she hasn't even confided to Trisha that Shobi's like holding her restaurant hostage right now. I think that's the thing. I mean, like they wrap up the interview and they're finally getting into like this real conversation and like she does open up. But once he does offer that help, she like closes back up and becomes defensive. Like she doesn't want to accept that help. I will say, I think it's so funny that they haven't seen each other in over a decade, 12 years. And they both make a point of saying how up until the show, they hadn't Googled each other, you know, Um, and they hadn't been following each other's lives. And the fact that they could even have these conversations right off the bat. And to think that even though Ashna doesn't share as much as Rico wants her to, the fact that he's asking and she's appeasing him it's just like what like there I feel like there are so many little things that they need to talk about like before they get to the big things you know like obviously there are all these huge things about what happened over those years and even we still don't know what happened with their breakup so I think that there's so much that still needs to be discovered but then I'm also just like you don't even know where he's been living these 12 years. <laughs> you know? um, like, was he, does he have kids secretly? Like, what's going on? There are so many small, basic things. There's even like a little uh, nod to that later on. I think you guys will appreciate. Mm. Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, as you said, like, getting right to the difficult stuff is not the best way to approach this relationship. They were like, completely and fully in love and everything fell apart. And now they're kind of, at this weird stage where what are we and we never really had like the serious conversations back then we need to have it now and Asha is someone who's been like running away from it for so long running away from even like the conversation with Shobi for so long she can't escape anywhere she goes home she has to face Shobi she's at work she has to face Rico it's all catching up to her and so her reaction is to keep running and literally physically she runs away from Rico at the end of this she's just like doesn't go back in the studio goes away somewhere else hopefully we'll see her again soon Uh, (laughs) and I think that's something that's really difficult in comparison to Pride and Prejudice and other flavors is I think in her first book the characters it was Trisha and DJ they both had to put work in I think that with this book it's almost all up to Ashna I mean I think that Her mom is there begging for another chance, refusing to leave. And I think that even though Rico has a couple of his own things to work through, he realizes he's still in love with her and he's there. He's putting in the work. He's trying to talk about the difficult stuff at every turn. I think people are trying to get her to open up, be honest and face these things head on. And it's one of those things my mom always tells me, you know, when you're ready to do something, you'll do it yourself. Like no matter how much Mm -hmm. other people tell you, you have to be the one to make the decision. And I think that as much as I think that that's such a real true to life character, it's frustrating. I just want to scream at Ashna and be like, listen to the people who love you. Um, It does make for a really interesting journey to see her 
come to terms with everything on her own. And it just like, I think it speaks to her strength as a character, even though it takes a little bit of time. The fact that she does do that uh, is great. Going off of that, you know, especially when we see the Ashna flashbacks to when she was a child, I think she's very used to being strong for other people because her parents had such a turbulent marriage. They didn't love each other at all. They hated each other more than they sort of like showed love to her. And so I think she's just used to shouldering everything and like everyone's emotions and being the strong one. I think it like doesn't occur to her that she can be open with other people and that the burden of everyone else's feelings will not be so heavy once she opens up to them. And I think that's one thing that spoke to her relationship with Rico and why she compartmentalized it was that he, from what we know, he's the person who hasn't done that. You know, Um, he didn't force anything on her. He didn't make her feel like, you know, she was shouldering any of his burdens. I mean, even when he opens up to her about his past, he talks about how important it was for him and that she did it almost so effortlessly just being there for him. But it wasn't something that he didn't put her in any kind of difficult position. So I think that that speaks to their relationship where he's the one person in her life where that wasn't the case, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, obviously, we hope Ashna will finally face all these conversations that have needed to happen for so long. Uh, and hoping the best for this relationship. Have some coffee, have some lunch, talk it out. Yeah. <laughs> have the basic conversation of like, how are you? But Try not to go in with any anger. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But thank you so much, Shyla, for joining us for this thank episode. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. I can't wait to hear what you guys think about the rest of the book. Oh, Absolutely. We're so excited.